Hi, my name is Thomas, and I am going to tell you a story. It's both a new story and an old story. If you've been listening to the Oa Oligar, you know that the characters often reference myths and legends of Oa that informed their culture. So a friend of mine suggested that I record some of them, for those of you who are craving a little something extra. These stories will be short. They aren't necessary to follow the Oligar, and, like all histories, they might not be exactly accurate. But if they sound familiar, it's because deep down, your heart knows the truth of them. These are the first histories. 2. The Pride of Andor The End of the Unwritten Epic came with the completion of the first history of Andor, penned by Alton Setzig I, the Scribe King. The last page was inked and the book was put on display in the Temple of Dai Shao on the eve of the autumnal equinox, with a full moon in the sky, and thereafter Andor's years were marked with a harvest festival. The book was a beautiful thing to behold each page illuminated with color illustrations and gold leaf. It is said that of all famous books, the first history of Andor was second only to the Atlas in its splendor and magnificence. As for its contents, the Scribe King sought to document the expansion of Andrish territory from the Dai Shao to Verdinium in the south. It was a story of conquest in the name of greater good, a rose-colored recounting of how distinct tribes and villages were folded into Andrish citizenry. Word of the first history traveled quickly. Though literacy was barely yet considered a talent worth having, it was a wonder that captured the imagination of the kingdom. People from across Andor and even beyond flocked to the great city of Dai Shao for a chance just to look at it. Now, at the time, of course, the scribe king ruled at the pleasure of the icon Romular and his sister, Ceramis. Setting a precedent for the years that followed, the king profiled the icons critically, even meticulously, and much of what we know of the siblings is owed to Alton Setzig I. According to him, they were both sculpted from the smaller peak of the mountain Veroma, and to this day, Veroma has two vast gullies cleft in its side the ectamine scars of creation. Romular was slow and methodical, but prone to sullen, violent moods that could last years. Meanwhile, Ceramis flitted about the south of the continent, murderous one afternoon and benefactious the next. But most of all, they hated one another. Romular envied the lava that flowed through Ceramis's veins, and Ceramis envied the sharp scales of rock that covered Romular's arms. As long as they were within a league of one another, no one in Andor slept soundly. Despite their animosity, they made a great show of loving each other, of course, embracing and laughing and creating strange monuments out of each other's flesh. But there was a violence in their play. Ceramis might rip a block of stone from Romular's shoulder and pretend a jest, and on more than one occasion Romular would cut Ceramis to the quick with a swipe in retort. It became an open secret. Each was plotting the other's demise, 
and would do anything to gain status over the other. So when news of the first history reached the icons, both immediately set out for the Dai Shao themselves to better claim their influence over the scribe king. They arrived outside the temple within minutes of each other, a half-moon and more following the equinox. Immediately they came to bickering, each claiming credit for inspiring the great work, while the scribe king watched them from the steps of the temple. Finally, Ceramus commanded that the history be brought forth, and it was carried out upon a gilded litter atop the shoulders of sixteen priests. Romular was stout for an icon, but even he towered above the tallest spires of the complex, and Ceramus was taller still. And the scribe king noted how they squinted and hunched in their efforts to appraise his work. But it's so small, Ceramus exclaimed. How can the deeds of icons be captured in a space hardly the size of a man? Romular bristled at that his stone scales rising into spikes along his shoulders and up and down his spine. My beautiful idiot sister, he hissed through rows of cracked and mossy teeth. Do not be deceived by appearances. Of course, this is not the whole of it. This must be the first, he searched for the word, the first book of many. The scribe king spoke then, and the icons turned to listen. Though it pains me to speak words counter to your own, he said, this is the first book, but for now it is also the only book, and all that it details is contained within the pages you see before you. Romular and Ceramus had no choice but to crouch upon their hands and knees to get a better look, and so the scribe king learned that the icons were keen of hearing, but not of sight. Now, the first history of Andor was written in ancient Ulgan, as were most of the histories that followed. And as the Ulgan script had only been recently developed, neither Romular nor Ceramus could read it. They had heard, of course, that a book was language made visible, stories that could be looked at instead of heard, but even the theory was strange to them, and in practice, quite alien. But neither of the siblings could bear to admit ignorance, and each looked at the other and immediately decided that it would be very fine to show that they could read while the other could not. Why, this is a great tale indeed, exclaimed Romular first. See here, Ceramus how it is written that you poisoned last winter's snowfall with toxic smoke. Of course I see that, Ceramus snapped. Though I think it unkind, she turned her red-hot eyes on the Olgan, and rather unkingly of Andor's king to recount it. I assure you, Alton Setzig replied without a moment's pause, I have recounted all equally glories and tragedies both. I know that, Ceramus snapped again, shifting her attention back to Romular. After all, on this page is the story of your failure to contain the flood of Westmarch. No, it isn't. Is it? Romular hissed. Can't you see? It's plain as day, 
Ceramus foamed back. Her saliva turned so hot that droplets of it turned to steam the instant they touched pavement. And the scribe king sensed danger. A sibling's tussle between these two creatures in the center of the Dai Shao would inevitably result in mayhem and death. They were each taller than a hundred men, and while their faces were beautiful, they were distorted hideously by the superficial grins they used to cover their rage. And so Alton Setzig leapt forward and shut the book, so that they would no longer be distracted by words they could not read. Of course, it pleases me to hear I have captured your remembrances justly. But what do you think of the craftsmanship? As fine as it is, whatever charm it possesses seems only a shadow in your presence. And this pleased the icons mightily, for the book was fine indeed. And if in all its mesmerizing color and engraving it was only a shadow, then the more they praised it, the more they praised themselves. Why, it is the pride of Andor, Ceramus crowed at the top of her lungs, and Romular rumbled beneath her. It is the greatest work by mortal hands that mortal eyes will ever see. But to whom do you dedicate this great work? Romular continued, and he and Ceramus fixed their greedy eyes on Alton Setzig. And Alton Setzig had expected this. He had spent many moons in meditation, deliberating on how he would respond. He was ready with an answer. And while no free person can well judge means by which the abused resist tyranny, there are many who consider Alt's answer to have damned his kingdom there and then. I thought it would be glorious, he decreed, raising his arms in exhilaration, if the people of Andor chose. But I do not know the people of Andor as you do, wise and far-traveled as you are. So what must we do? He clapped one hand upon the book and another upon his forehead to mark the motions of divine inspiration. I know, he continued, Ceramus, you must return south and quickly to gather the rivermen and the planters of crops who know you best. And to Romular he said, while you must hurry north and whip up support from the shepherds and hillfolk who live by your mercy. There is no room for so great a gathering in the Dai Shao, the scribe king mused in faux concern. He snapped his fingers. So naturally, we will meet in the field of stones to the west in one year's time, and there make the dedication according to the contingents you summon. Romular and Ceramus looked from the scribe king to the pride of Andor, the first of the first histories, and this they desired with all the evil in their hearts. The field of stones, Ceramus echoed. In one year's time, Romular nodded. And they left to begin their campaigns. Alton Setzig I, the scribe king, breathed a sigh of relief. And for one year, the first history of Andor stood intact in the temple of the Dai Shao, 
and served as an example and an innovation to all the world. And for one year, Alton Setzig I slept easy and spent his days ruling justly, teaching the Olgan script and practicing letters with pen and ink. According to Alton Setzig's journals, he expected the icons would needs must make lavish promises to lure the common folk from their homes. And so I will draw out their promises before two halves of Andor, and between the cries of gratitude and the pride's dedication, they will submit to their own egos, and for a year frame their childish rivalry around real acts of service. What a feat it will be to turn two such selfish creatures into servants of the public, if only for a while. The time did come to meet the icons in the field of stones, and there the scribe king would attempt his greatest trick of all. These are the first histories of Oa, a companion series to the Oa Oligar. The show is written and created by myself, Thomas Constantine Moore, and our theme music is by Joe Mendick. The Oligar will return soon, and voting on episode 5 is closing sooner, so don't forget to go to thomastellsastory.com next and make your voice known. Thank you for listening. The sun still shines. The wind still blows. <laughs>